0: Hello and welcome to the Club Development Scotland podcast from Supporters Direct Scotland. This is a podcast all about promoting and sharing best practice from across sports and helping shed a light on some of the excellent work that takes place across the country. Although this isn't a completely new podcast and you might have heard some of our masterclass episodes on legal structures and volunteering in the past, this is the start of a newly structured series of podcasts specifically for community clubs of all shapes and sizes. In this episode, we're speaking to Mia Salvamini, the sustainability and project manager at Shruri Consulting and the lead of Responsible Rankings. Now, if you've not heard of the Responsible Rankings before, don't worry, as Mia explains All Within and discusses how Scotland has performed within the 2020 edition of The Table. So I hope you enjoy listening to the interview of Mia as much as I did doing it. Thank you very much for, for joining us today. I thought maybe... Um, you might be able to tell us a little bit about what Responsible is and, and how it came about and, and who are kind of the, some of the key people behind it.
1: All right. So Responsible is uh, an initiative that was started by Rolf Schwery and Daniel Cade in 2010. And it started as a result of some of the work that they had done um, during the 2006 World Cup in 2008 Euros. They were doing research, Rolf in particular, um, on social responsibility in football. And then Daniel joined on with Rolf um, and they they realized that there really wasn't a great overall understanding of what football clubs and leagues all around Europe and then uh, around the globe were were doing um, in terms of social responsibility. A lot of football clubs do focus on community efforts. A lot of clubs uh they do have a commitment to good governance and then a growing number of clubs do have uh, a commitment to the environment as well. But there is no real place where people could find that information, where people could understand what some leagues were doing really well, where some leagues maybe could improve. Um, so they decided to do this ranking to get that understanding and it's been going ever since then. So. This is the 10th edition of the Responsible Ranking. Um, we're, we're very pleased to look back on all these past ones and see where it's come from. Uh, and we've had some a few different leagues come on top. Um, shall I spoil this year's winner?
0: Oh, maybe we could hold back the surprise just for a little bit. Later all right. All right. <laughs> we'll save that one. No, no, that's great. So... Um, so that's really interesting and and so the the idea of um, ranking it by league rather than um, club is quite interesting as well. What was the kind of thinking behind that?
1: Well, the thinking behind that is because we look we look at clubs websites for the information. So this isn't going to a club and asking them information. This is essentially what they publish on their website. and we do that not only because it gives us the opportunity to look. Um, at quite a lot of clubs, with just a, within a specific amount of time, with a specific amount of researchers and resources, but also because it's a good idea of what clubs are reporting, what they think is important to share with the public, to have on their website. Um, so it's also a transparency thing. So if a club tells you that it, uh, it publishes its financial records, it tells you what players are making. Uh, that could be a really good sign of transparency within that club. Or if a club tells you, uh, yes, we have a disability access officer, we have um, different resources for people with disabilities to access the matches, uh, same as everyone else. Um, it's just, it's showing that they they are informed of these issues and that they want to make them known. And so we do it for that reason. Um, we don't share what the clubs have ranked individually because they could be doing a lot more that they don't tell us about and we don't want to call them out if uh, perhaps they are doing more. If they'd like to do an individual audit, they're most welcome to do that. Um, But we don't want to call anyone out. But we do want to get kind of an overall average from all of the clubs in the league and then by looking at that, you get a better picture of what that league, what's kind of happening, what the trends are, um so it's not it's not completely accurate I'll say that but it's pretty close based on what is reported and what is shared publicly
0: yeah that's great and I know this is this is going to be almost an impossible question in some respects but I'm going to ask anyway which is um what do you think kind of the epitome of a responsible football club looks like (laughs)
1: Well, we have 46 indicators, so if they match every single one of those. Right. No. Um, a responsible club would be one that that's committed to good governance, that shares, um, that tries to bring people with different backgrounds in, um, into decision-making uh, positions. Um, so we, one of the things that we look at is where women have a responsibility within clubs. Are there any on... On the board level, um, so this year actually uh, it was interesting. Sweden, um, about ninety-five percent of their teams, their clubs had a woman on a board level. So that was really it was nice to see. And it's hard to really get those metrics for every single single thing you could be looking for. Um, but a responsible clubs, so good governance, focusing on transparency, focusing on inclusion. Uh, focusing on protection of players. Um, one thing that Scotland does very well now is the protection of children. So if, if they have a youth academy, um, do they have child safeguarding in place? So looking at those things. And then we also wanna look at health. Uh, we wanna look at access. So is there smoking in stadiums? Is there responsible drinking policy in stadiums? Um, how are they looking after their fans? How are they trying to make this a positive atmosphere for fans? Are families invited? Do they encourage families to come? Uh, and then also environment. So do clubs acknowledge their environmental footprint? And a responsible club will. Um, hopefully, it's not. It's not easy. It's not easy for anyone. Um, Forest Green Rovers is kind of the uh, epitome of an environmental standard. Um, they're building. Uh, a new stadium made out of wood. It's it's fitting a lot of uh, different environmental uh, check boxes, basically. So they they promote vegan eating. They have cycling and walking, going to the clubs, um, electric charging stations for cars. Uh, so a lot of there are a lot of different things, and I think you could take pieces from a lot of different clubs, and if you put them together, then you would have your perfect uh, Frankenstein of uh responsible clubs
0: that's a, i like that a frankenstein yeah that's nice <laughs> <laughs> okay so there's actually but i mean the, the sort of benefits of doing all of these things is more than just being able to say them because they're nice as well isn't there i mean there's a lot of tangible benefits that come with acting in a, in a socially responsible way isn't there
1: oh yeah of course it's um just on the environmental standpoint you're by reducing by reducing what uh, energy costs, you with using uh, renewable energy sources, you cut costs. I mean, that's just one of the basic economic ones, but uh, you see it throughout. So, with the community, you build a strong uh, communal bond, which we've seen through COVID has been really important for a lot of clubs. Uh, we've seen some clubs that have kind of faltered, and maybe the community has been behind them, or the community is really faltering and the clubs have realized, look, these people are part of us. They're what keep us going throughout the season. And so they've supported their communities at this time. Um, There are so many different ways uh, in governance. Um, The more people you get, the more a club can push forward, the more diversity you get different opinions and it really pushes the boundaries for these clubs and, and can help them really grow, um, expand and, improve um so it's hard to hard to say for uh in a short period of time all of the benefits but there are a lot of benefits
0: yeah Um, yeah absolutely i see that yeah um so looking into the the rankings more specifically then as you said this is the 10th version so you've been doing it um since 2011 i What have been some of the kind of key indicators that you've looked for over the years and have these changed at all over time or have they always been a kind of um, match-to-match measurement?
1: They've been a pretty steady measurement. We did do a review of them a few years ago and we do kind of keep an eye on them to make sure that they're still relevant. But when we chose the 46 indicators that are currently being used, it was looking at things that are are relevant for, that could be relevant for, for leagues around the world. So it's, Maybe in one area, an issue, um, like, say, a, does a club collect rainwater? Now, maybe, maybe in a place like Scotland, maybe you get a lot of rain and that's very relevant for you, but maybe you're in the middle of the desert that's not relevant. So we don't think that's really a fair indicator for all the leagues that we're looking at. So we tried to pin it down to things that were really universal, universally applicable. And there were 46, and there are probably a lot more, um, but just a few examples that we always look at. We look at the, the highest governing body. So again, I mentioned women. Um, another thing that we look at is do some supporters, do they have access to uh, the decision-making body or are they democratically represented? Um, We look at the club's constitution, we look at CSR reporting, um, sponsorship as it goes with CSR. Uh, We also look at um, community. So again, the disability access officer is their accessibility information for disabled supporters. How are they trying to bring people, how are these clubs trying to um, include as many people as possible. So we look at ticketing prices. Is it accessible for people, or is it too too expensive for families to come on a Saturday afternoon? Um, supporter liaison on officers. We look at um, fan organized carpooling, transportation, uh, waste management, energy, water saving. Lots of different things, but they're pretty universal. Um, and they they're they're set, yeah, for the most part.
0: Great, thank you so much. Um, okay, so I suppose moving on to the the drum roll part of the session, uh, <laughs> which is this year's responsible rankings. Could you? I mean, these haven't been <clears throat> sorry publicly released yet, but maybe you could shed some light on on what would be uh, what will be coming top or who will be coming top rather of this year's rankings
1: did i get a proper drum roll for this <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'll see if i can have one in afterwards
1: all yeah. right um so we have i'm gonna go through the the three uh first so we have our three topics governance community and environment so on top of governance this year we have sweden and they're uh reclaiming their spot from last year top the governance community they have germany and environment, we have Germany on top for the first time. And the overall is Germany. <laughs> so we're very proud to uh, to announce that the German Bundesliga did very well this year. Um, and that's because of their their continued commitment. And we've seen it just in the different initiatives they've done. Um, their growing commitment to the environment is great. Um, and obviously, community work. Um, so... It's it's good to see. Congratulations to them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to the Bundesliga. I suppose that's not going to be a, a huge surprise to people in Britain. We sort of um, have this uh, very idyllic version of German football, uh, particularly in some parts of, of Scotland around things around fan ownership and the 50 plus one rule. So oh, yeah,
1: they're great with that. <laughs>
0: absolutely. So it's, it's great to see them come top. And, um, and I know they have a lot of very progressive clubs that uh, are doing, you know, particularly around environment, as you say. And, and um, so no, that's great to hear. And how has this year been affected by COVID? I suppose, A, in terms of how you've done your reporting, but also in terms of how the, the clubs have been operating. Yes. So this
1: year, when we did the reporting first, um, we always we begin our reporting towards the end of the season, so around May. And this year, uh, with March being kind of a shutdown of football, we weren't sure if we'd even do the report because we just didn't know what was going to happen, um, as no one did. So we we went forward with it. But at that point, a lot of a lot of clubs had not necessarily taking things away from their websites, but there was some information that just wasn't available anymore. And so that's one thing that we, um, we want people to realize is that, for example, clubs remove ticketing information or perhaps um, information on how to get to the stadium or access information because it wasn't relevant if you don't have fans. Mm -hmm. And so without that information, it's for our ranking and with our indicators, it's a loss of points, but a lot of them actually do um, do great work with those those issues, but and for the most part, they've they've really worked within their communities. That's one thing actually we've seen a rise in, um, not just in the ranking, but just in uh, overall club football news. You see so many great stories coming out of coronavirus about clubs and communities, and you see them working hand in hand. Whether it's um, AS Roma delivering to the elderly around Rome, or uh, in England, they opened up stadiums so that the healthcare workers could stay at the hotels there or um, have access to more space. Uh, So you you do see examples throughout um, the news that really were uplifting in terms of how the club acts with its community, um, and then how the community in turn supports the club. Uh, as a result of that. And so that's been one of the really nice takeaways from this year. I mean, in spite of such a horrible thing to happen with Corona, um, I'd say that's really a positive that's come out of it is that you just see these clubs recognize how important their communities are and really take a lot of them take a a step forward with um, their efforts in in the communities.
0: Yeah, absolutely. one thing I'm sure our listeners will be very keen to know is how uh, the Scottish leagues performed within the the rankings. Is that something you could shed some light on?
1: That is, I would be glad to. <laughs> so Scotland's pretty consistent um, in terms of governance. So uh, they came in tenth place uh, this year. And actually, I told you that earlier, but we <laughs> we just did a quick update. Um, this this ranking comes out tonight, but it's ever changing until uh, the last minute. So it's actually ninth place. right?
0: Um,
1: right. And that's that's my error. Um, so ninth place in terms of governance and Scotland's been very consistent with that. And actually one good practice that I'm gonna mention um, from the Scottish League that we included within the report is uh, from St. Mirren. Mm. So um, we we do incorporate a few good practices within the report. And one thing, as I mentioned earlier, Scotland's commitment to child safeguarding is is really one of the exemplary ones across uh, the board of all the leaks that we've looked at. So, Saint in particular, um, their their children's wellbeing uh, policy was really something that stood out. And then, in addition, uh, we also included a policy from the club Motherwell FC, mm-hmm. and that was a policy on uh, a racial policy, so against discrimination and racism. And that's not something that we've included in our indicators in the past, but it's something that we're going to consider because not not many leagues have started implementing these policies, but it's something that we'd like to see. And so that, you go back to your question about a responsible Um, football club. It's one that also promotes anti-discrimination, promotes inclusion, diversity. And so by having these policies against discrimination, against racism, and clearly stating not only that they're against these issues, but also that they will take steps to to end the harassment if it happens during a match. Um, And then actually implementing those steps, that's that's really a great sign, and so that's something that a th- quite a few of the Scottish clubs had. Um, so that's really positive to see. Uh, then, in terms of community, Scotland is right up there. Uh, in uh, let's see, seventh place. So <laughs> um, that is a good sign, and Scotland uh, just you you can see it throughout. Um, I actually I did the research on Scotland and I remember just going through and you just see so many examples of Scotland uh, Scottish clubs working with their communities, um, whether it's going to schools and sending players to schools to uh, speak with play speak with children or um, working with fans, which, you know, very well. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of good examples of that. Um So that is a strong area for Scotland. And then environment, environment, Scotland's kind of in the middle of the pack. So it is uh, 10th. So Scotland's work uh, in the environment, one club that did quite well is Hibernian. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, they really stood out. They had a lot of great initiatives. Um, I believe they call themselves the greenest club in Scotland, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> so they, they really, they had a strong commitment. The other clubs were a little farther behind. Um, but you can see that the interest is there. And so hopefully, whether it's looking at good practice examples from clubs like, uh, what Hibernian's doing or around the different leagues, um, hopefully hopefully, these clubs start uh implementing more and there are a lot of really easy easy areas that they can implement, such as cycling um offering bike station bike parking uh for bicycles so fans can ride to the stadiums and that cuts emissions from cars or you know different little tweaks that you can just start slowly implementing and I know that it depends a lot on where a stadium's located and, uh, different factors, but, but there are, there are ways. And so I think Scotland is on the cusp of really, um, jumping into that. Great. And then yeah. finally, overall, uh, the placement is ninth.
0: It became ninth and that, and that's out of 19, isn't it?
1: That is out of, uh, 18.
0: 18. Sorry. Okay. Great. Excellent. Oh, so exactly mid table.
1: Right. Yes. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, but Scotland over the years has been very consistent, and it's really it's nice to see um, that it, they're they're sticking to what works and really like improving in some areas like community. Uh, but overall, just it's it's good work, and everyone, all the clubs uh, from all eighteen leagues can improve. Um, but yeah yeah we're we're working for that
0: yeah absolutely so in terms of and 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 sorry just to clarify is it the is it just the top league or is it the whole 42 in the in the kind of
1: no it's just it's just the top league so that's that's what um yeah we're looking at all the top leagues
0: okay okay great um so one of your missions is really to sort of bring this information together to make it quite transparent but then also to kind of share best practice as well and i suppose even just talking through the rankings as you are now is is a great way of doing that but is there there's other ways that people actually working within clubs and and others can access some sort of the best practice stuff that you're sharing isn't there
1: there are we do we share best practices um directly from the news onto our website responsible.org And uh, we also on our social media. um, It's not as up to date this year, but we're working on it. Uh, But we do try to keep up to date with at least sharing news throughout the different, just from around football, um, of what has been done well. And... Every once in a while, even throw in a different sport because I'm American. I like to throw in maybe an American football or a basketball example. Um, so there are good practices available if clubs are interested, and clubs do seem to be interested. Uh, whether it's their communities calling for for change or whether internally they've decided it's time to to do something. So uh, yeah, and a lot already are
0: yeah yeah and I suspect as you say there's so much that they could all share and learn from one another and, and some of those those best practice examples you gave you know and I suppose that doesn't necessarily even apply just to the top leagues all the clubs down the pyramid structures across Europe and, and beyond but also grassroots clubs presumably you could hear something about you know even collecting rainwater as you said is quite an interesting thing and and being able to implement that. Um so it sounds like it's a really valuable way of being able to share some of those um those practices.
1: Indeed, I agree. <laughs> good, good. So one
0: one last question for you, Mia, which is um about what you think the future might hold for some of these clubs and, and how do you think things might evolve? I know this is kind of a measurement of here and now in two thousand and twenty, but do you think things will change in 2021 with perhaps some of the stuff to do with covid still looming or or even beyond that what do you think some of the trends might be for clubs
1: i do think i do think things will change i think maybe in the short term it might be a little more difficult depending on uh the league and the club just because resources right now for a lot of them um maybe maybe now's not the time to to make big changes and I, I know it can be difficult for a lot of clubs because um, a lot of people around the world are just struggling to try and, you know, keep status quo. So with that, maybe 2021 could be optimistic, but in, in the next five years, I'd say that uh, we'll see a lot of change because everyone is aware of these issues and it's, it's not something maybe 10 years ago when this ranking started the environment and climate change uh, was something that they would deal with in 10 years. Now it's on our doorstep. We're seeing so many more examples of how pressing this issue really is. And so these clubs uh, are starting to see that it's really not, it's sport is responsible um, just as well as the rest of society for the climate. And so I think a lot more clubs will start to recognize this. And I, I believe UEFA yesterday or a couple of days ago, um, officially committed to uh, its own climate um, and environment goals. Um, so, if it's coming from the governing body of European football, then hopefully that's a good example for a lot of leagues, at least throughout Europe, if not the world, to to take as an example to use. Um, and also, yeah. Uh, (laughs) you'll see I mean community is something I think community overall is the one that's uh, that's going to remain the strongest just because without without fans which clubs have seen this year um, post-COVID without fans really football changes and club football changes professional football changes and I think they really want to get their fans back in the stadiums and so working with communities, trying to find ways to keep fans engaged and keep their communities engaged. Um, that should be something that would really grow. And in terms of governance, as I said, Scotland has really good uh, policies in terms of anti-discrimination, anti-racism, uh, and uh, child safeguarding. And hopefully we see more, more countries and more clubs and leagues commit to those things. Um, especially this year we've seen such a... Um, an increase in awareness of the racism that still permeates throughout clubs. And there's so many other forms of discrimination as well, sadly, um, that, that happen in football, that happen in society and football often reflects what's in society. And so hopefully these clubs recognize that and it becomes a more inclusive game. And also, I mean, for me personally, especially women's football. And so in this year's ranking, we're going to highlight, um, just certain aspects about women's football and we're hoping, uh, in the future to do a responsible ranking of women's professional football as well. So you heard it here first.
0: (laughs) Breaking news. That's fantastic. Yes. That's great. So, so that will be a kind of a similar study, uh, just looking specifically at the women's game.
1: It will, it'll be, yeah, if we can, um, yeah, will we'll try and do with the same indicators and, uh, Unfortunately, women's, women's football doesn't seem to have the resources that men's do. I've already done a cursory look at a lot of different club websites and uh, women's football. Yeah, there's just not as much information available, unfortunately. So I know a lot of uh, women's teams are working with their communities and they're trying their best to be on top of these issues, but they're also struggling for um, for footing and for funding and for recognition, so we may have to adapt our indicators a bit just for the particular situation. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna try because be, women's football should be just as accountable for these things as men's, and uh, we think it's really important that football in general sets so a good good example um, for society in terms of these issues.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know that the, the women's game in Scotland is uh, sort of developing. Um quite quickly now in comparison to sort of previous years it's more, more clubs are enjoying the backing of you know i suppose traditionally men's teams that are investing into the the women's sections of the club so i guess as that grows um it'll be more interesting to see how that sort of tops up within the reports in terms of what what's you know the, the women's teams are doing in those in those areas yeah it'd be great to see and it's
1: great to see the men's clubs that are supporting it it's um it's really nice to see them the men stand up and yeah and support their counterparts, yeah uh, both on and off the pitch, so
0: yeah, well, thank you so much for your time. really appreciate you um coming and giving us a couple of exclusives there as well uh, always...
1: <laughs> Thank you, Andrew.
0: <laughs> no, great to have you on and to hear more about the rankings and so you, I know you've already mentioned it, but if people want to go and check them out for themselves where can, where can they do that?
1: They can check it out on our Twitter feed, which is responsible b a l l at the end. Or they can visit our website, responsible.org. Uh, Yep.
0: Okay, great. And I will include that in the in the uh, programme notes as well, so people can uh, click through if they're listening to this and fancy checking them out. So um, thank you again. It was
1: a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. It was a pleasure for me.
0: <laughs> so there we go. That was Mia Salvamini discussing this year's Responsible Rankings. It was really great to see that the SPFL um, is packing a punch in terms of the size of the league and the clubs are it in terms of the ranking um especially in the kind of areas as, as they mentioned of community governance environment if you look at some of the other leagues in that in that uh, part of the research it was really impressive to see the SBFL rank so highly so i think that's that's credit to the work that clubs are doing it was also really lovely to hear some nice practical examples that mia had picked out um of, of clubs doing great work um and that included you know Motherwell St Mirren and Hibs as she mentioned um, which I noted were all clubs that have significant fan involvement. So that's that's nice as well. I really would recommend checking out the rankings when they go live and indeed the responsible website. Um, I regularly do just check it to see what kind of information that they're sharing within that. They're obviously doing research um, pretty much throughout the year, it seems. So they're always sort of scanning other clubs' websites and being able to share that, um, that information and, and some of the examples of best practice from across Europe uh, and one central hub is really valuable. And I think that doesn't really matter what kind of club on, and the size of the club that you're involved with. There might be something that you can apply to your club, whether that be a, you know, a small grassroots club with a couple of teams or a huge SPFL club with a massive fan base. You know, there'll be there'll be different things that you can apply um, to improve the, the environmental um, governance and community aspects of, of the clubs that you're involved with. Uh, I should also note that Mia got in touch after the, the podcast to say that some of the numbers that she mentioned for Scotland have changed. So as it stands, out of the 20 leagues, Scotland's rankings are 10th for governance, 8th for community, 11th for environment, and they came 10th overall. So again, 10 out of 20, very much mid-table. Very good, considering, as I say, the, the size of the clubs um, and the other leagues involved. So highly recommend checking that out if you get a chance. Um that's it for this week's podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to it. We'll be back with another podcast next week. Hopefully you can join us then. Uh, And in the meantime, you can check out what we're up to at the Club Development Scotland website, which is www.clubdevelopment.scot. See you then.